So this is the first in a while Cleveland Moto podcast without our humble narrator and leader, Phil. Sans Phil Waters. Uh, I think we are going to hear from him a little later on from uh, Portland, Oregon. He went out there with Mac to visit Rand. And uh, that was the attend. sole reason he went out there was to visit Rand. Yeah, they're at the one show, but <laughs> the I think one show, it's the right? Sole reason. right? It is the sole reason. I think Rand's pretty bummed that the smelly sore guy isn't coming though. I, wait, I never heard it, smelly. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. Smelly. <laughs> I don't know one. Drunk, smelly, stupid, <laughs> grumpy. His right. last name is Sewer Guy. But sewer Guy, yeah. You just add what you want in front of it. That's right. That's so right. who's here today? To my left today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's Chris Smith. And Dan, to my left is... Dan Kropke. Steve Hufford, and I am not drinking tonight. I apologize to everybody for being such a shit show last week. <laughs> but, you know, that was a good bottle of bourbon. Yeah, so. it, was, it was good. An ex-bottle of bourbon. But I take full responsibility for anything. That but if that was your butter, worst night, you're not doing butter. that bad. Nobody's mad at you. It was actually entertaining. <laughs> so. yeah. I like it when Michael Fresh gets drunk, though. He's more fun than I am. <laughs> You're being pretty affectionate with Michael Fresh, too. You're, I like oh, him. Yeah. You're, you're kind of feeling him up there a little bit. Uh, uh but that's okay. It was okay. And to his left, Nick DeVito. <laughs> and and today I'm uh, um, I'm helping along, and Steve Sleepy Sitch on on the board on the board as well. Yeah. So uh, one of the things last week we didn't talk about, and we we're supposed to because that's why we got badges to go into the show was the Cleveland IMS show. So everybody here obviously went to the IMS show, correct? The yep. wrap up. Yep. 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 I was so, sadly disappointed though. Were you? I must say, in general, I was disappointed yeah. in the show. Every year it gets smaller. They moved um, the they, curtains in a yeah. little bit. Well, that's what we were. Me and me and Smith were talking about that. Do you think that's what it is? Are they just giving us smoke? Because it seemed more crowded. But is that what the case? Did they just bring the curtains I think in? It's just, yeah. They just BMW made it more wasn't compact. there, and they're only there what every other year yep. at best. Right. And KTM wasn't. No. Ducati wasn't there either. No triumph. And did you guys right. see a lot of? So last year, remember there was all like the Chinese uh, bikes and scooters. I didn't see many of those this year. Did you? Anybody? I didn't. I, really didn't see no, I didn't see those yeah. at all. Royal Enfield might as well not have been there. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, hey, wait a minute. Wait. Royal Enfield made an effort. They they bought a booth. They had yeah. half a dozen bikes out there, and they had people ready to talk about their bikes. So that's half a lot better than BMW not even showing up. So well, what, and so what we're going to do is this. That was a, a kind of a joke. Yeah, a little because, bit. Cause, yeah. yeah, no, because what we're going to do is when we talk about certain things, I'm going to say we're going to cut, and so then we do have footage of where we shot where Phil was talking about things and some of you guys were there. So since you brought up Royal Enfield, we'll talk about them. We went up to Royal Enfield and said, hey, man, you guys have an express, impressive display and everything. We'd like to interview you guys. No. They wouldn't yeah, talk to us. That. They wouldn't talk on camera. They wouldn't anything. So <laughs> Phil, in his ultimate wisdom and, and awesomeness, was like, turn the camera on. So I turned the camera on. He's like, hey, here we are at Royal Enfield. They have plenty of bikes, but they won't talk about us. So we're not going to talk about them. <laughs> <He just walked laughs> away. But I'll show you guys that in a second here. When we, you know, it, it was, it and yeah, we funny. still talked about them. Yeah, we yep. did. Yeah, we did. But, I mean, we can't really talk about the bikes. We didn't learn anything. There was right. nothing that we really knew. Well, a couple of things that I that I noticed about the show was uh, a number of the Japanese manufacturers bought or brought uh, quads. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, it seemed like they filled out their booth with, uh, with quads, and I think um, Kawasaki maybe had a, a jet ski. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. it was interesting to me that, Many of the motorcycle manufacturers that may in the past have had 25 motorcycles only had 20. And then if they had 20 in the past, maybe it's down to 15. But they did fill it out with these other products 
from the manufacturer. Side by sides. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, okay, well, they're showing up. They're still doing it. And I'm I'm glad they're still coming to Cleveland because I'll be dipped in shit if I'm going to drive to Pittsburgh or right, Detroit true. or something like that for this motorcycle show. But you'll but, drive to Detroit for some good strows. I haven't actually made it to Detroit for good strows. I just get over the edge of the uh, border right. into, uh, uh, what is it, um, in, Detroit, in, in, in Michigan, Temperance, Michigan, Temperance. Yeah, uh, yeah, of, yeah. of all places. I was going to say speculator, but that's wrong. That's in New York. But... Uh, Speaking of sides, does anybody know, like, how is Cleveland show compared to the rest of them? Like, are we Chicago's huge. I went to, um, not last year, but the the year before, I was helping with the Zero Booth when, I think it was... Phil. No, Phil. Yeah, (laughs) Phil. I can't think he's here for one week. He's gone. No. The guy that used to work for Zero, I I like that guy. Ed. Who was it, Ed? (laughs) I'm horrible with names, but whatever. So I said, hey, you need some help in Chicago because I had a place to stay. My sister-in-law was there. So he said, sure, come to Chicago. So I got a press pass for Chicago. I went to Chicago, and I worked the booth there. And that show was huge. It, I mean, it was really good. It was way better than Cleveland. They had everybody was there. I mean, all the manufacturers were there. Piaggio had a, a, a booth as big as uh the Honda booth here. So manufacturers can pick wow. and choose. They don't have to sign on for all of them. They can just pick and choose. I guess so. But, that's uh, kind of that's kind of shitty. Yeah, you know, I don't like, like a that. little bit. Like I'd like to well, see because who wants to go to Cleveland? Well, and and it's a the smaller Bachelor. market. I mean, you got Cleveland, yeah. Pittsburgh. I think comes in Columbus, Cincinnati, maybe yeah. some places in mm-hmm. Indiana, uh, and I don't know, maybe up in Michigan too. Yeah, but uh, all those towns together are not going to equal the population that you have in the greater Chicago area. So right. it, w- it makes sense, and everybody's sure the trying marketing to- guys to, you know, figure out the, the how, like, maybe we'll do five shows this year, and we're going to get the most bang out of it. Well, they got so. to. I mean, they got yeah. a limited amount of money to spend on this kind of stuff, and so yeah. I, I don't blame them. And as I said, I'm I glad they're still them. coming to Cleveland. Yeah, I'm just saying we should go up there though someday. I mean, maybe it would be worthwhile to take a trip up there and go to that show for one day, because it is really... I mean, really, it's it's huge. When is it? Is it usually before or after? It's a couple weeks after. I, I think okay. Oh, really? Is there any way we could ride up there in a uh, in an ambulance? <laughs> there's there's certainly a way to do that. <laughs> Hofford has an ambulance that yeah. uh, we could all pile into. He's got litters, and we could just like gurney. So you have to add a couple of gurney, an yeah. extra gurney or two. <laughs> yeah. And then if somebody drops, <laughs> at least put them in the turn the car. I have a defibrillator and uh, some oxygen. <laughs> All right, well, before – so I have a list of the stuff that we looked at and we filmed, but before we do that, anybody want to talk about your favorite thing at the show, what you saw that kind of excited you, Mr. Smith? Well, you know what? I like the vintage booth as the way it was presented. They had a lot of nice bikes there. And I'm a vintage kind of guy, so the the amount of square footage for the vintage area I thought was uh, pretty respectable, mm-hmm. and it was bigger than a couple of booths, I would say. And – uh Looking around at all the vintage bikes, I got to say probably the best vintage bike I saw there was that 1981 Suzuki GS. <laughs> of course, that was sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I heard everybody talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but it, that's you know for me to go around and look at the old stuff is is fun. The the newer stuff is new and it's all shiny and bright and all has a 
pretty big price tag. So, you know, yeah. I like looking at the older stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, talking about the vintage area, Skidmark Garage was a, a pretty pretty big part of that present. Even yeah. though presents, even though there were four separate areas, theirs was probably the most interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They and do a good job everywhere they go. They usually bring a pretty good display. They're personal guys. I mean, they're doing a good service for our city too. So it's nice to see them out. Definitely. Yeah, and they did some demonstrations on how to, you know. Fix a chain while you're on the road, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. replace your tire. Or Who bought a ticket for the raffle bike they're raffling? I did not. I did it's, not. A, it's a Jalera, right? Uh, right. Did you? Yeah, just did, one. Did you win? I, they haven't drawn it. Yeah, I think, I think it's it goes, up, through, it goes through all the shows, right? Is oh, it? I have no idea. No, it's just through Skidmark. No, right? that's just through oh, Skidmark. Oh, through Skidmark. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, so they're local. They're local. Yeah, they're they're drawing that this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, does that mean you can still buy a ticket? I think you can. Yeah. I think you can. I well, think how much you were they? The, they're expensive. Like 20 though. bucks. 20 or think, 50 yeah. bucks or something? Or 100 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Okay. 20 bucks. It's, but they're only selling three, a maximum oh, of 300 three. tickets. They're only selling yes. three. Five or 100 <laughs> bucks. I like those odds. <laughs> <laughs> so right. Oscar and uh, Sleepy are going to go at it, see if they can get that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's going to one I think the proceeds go to their... Their effort to bring back shop classes yep. for high schools. Yeah, I think, well, they have something like where he posts on Facebook all the time that there's kids showing up at 530 in the morning to work because, like, the school doesn't offer the class, but they're going to give them credit. So they're getting there oh, at 5, cool. yeah, they're getting there at 530 in the morning, and it's like girls and boys and I everything. saw that, yeah, there's yeah. a couple of girls' schools. So they're, I think it's an extracurricular yeah, you're for right. the girls to go down there and uh, learn how to wrench on stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, That's so, good. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. It is good because you know. I mean, good for him. Boys aren't doing it anymore. <laughs> well, but <laughs> no you know, there'd is. be plenty of boys that would want to do it. But most of the high schools have carved out shop classes yeah. and stuff like that. And, so, and what a perfect thing to work on too, because vintage bikes are still not scary. Like if you look at a modern bike, if they were trying to do like a new bike, there's more wiring and computers and things that like you know more diagnostic tools than wrenches. At least with the old stuff, you could be like, okay, this is how it works. This is the wrench that goes with it. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Right? Keep I mean, it's interested. good and it's bad. I mean, to me, I always worked on vintage stuff, but the new stuff is pretty. I mean, you, you the diagnostics are pretty easy. It's way better. It. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, if you ever had okay, so I, I love Volvos. Yeah. I have, I've had a ton of Volvos. I had three hundred fifty thousand miles on my my nine forty. I had a seven forty so with three seventy. Uh, the first one had an OBD one. Hmm. Where you'd have to take the little cover off and you jump her out the thing and then light blanks and you write down all your codes and, and half the time the codes aren't right and it's like it doesn't really tell you much. You plug now I have a with OBD two or can, you stick the thing in, you plug it in, you could watch the thing, you could watch the engine running. And even if you don't even if it's giving you erroneous data for the sensors, it doesn't matter. Because you could see you could watch the sensor data and kinda diagnose the engine by just how it's running, and by watching manifold pressure and, uh, you know, just misfires on the cylinders and everything mm -hmm. else. It's, I love it. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to go back. I, I, mean, I, I know this isn't the case with this shop class, but it just makes me think, like, how you know how uh, in, in school they're learning how to do calculus, but they're not learning how to do taxes and stuff. And it's like, well, <laughs> here's, here's, here's how you adjust points on a motorcycle. It's like, great. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, in case you find one. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So you know when to take the points off and put a solid state in. Well, I mean, how many people have done that? I mean, that's, I've done that with all my BMWs. I take it off. I put, a, I put uh, you know, electronic, electronic ignition yeah. on it. 
and with two two blacks, so you could adjust the cylinders perfectly. Because of the the single set of points, there's a little run out in that cam, mm -hmm. and your your timing is always off a couple degrees. Mm -hmm. But when you have the du dual block system, you could adjust each block in there for uh, the timing, and you could have your cylinders perfectly uh, in sync. So there you go, so, master class. <laughs> no, it's not a man. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Oh, I got you. You know, the other thing I noticed about the motorcycle show was there's a lot less of the uh, fluffy stuff going on where the they're selling dream catchers right. and, and uh, yeah. snake oil, leather, you know, bra straps and bullshit like that. And they had that smushed into a, an area. So you could actually walk right. It was you know, cir it's easily circumvent the, yeah. the, the whole thing to stay out of it because that that well, gets it got, it got ridiculous a couple of years ago. There was like seventeen people selling the same leather caps and, and yeah. whatnot. It was, yeah, it was, they were selling gutters and windows. And yeah, right. like, <laughs> this other crap. Like what the hell? Well, right. and and there was a there was a guy, uh, a plastic surgeon, selling uh, tattoo removals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Well, that ago. actually makes sense, though, for some it, of the guys coming to the bike show. I mean, a little bit, like you know, you don't. But think so? you know, as I as I said, if you want to sell tattoo removals, um, the place to do that is at a bridal show, True. right next door. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because the mom's saying, "Are you sure you want that big fucking tattoo across your back? You know, mm. with this low cut dress, and maybe I'll pay, you know, to have the tattoo removed for you." But at a motorcycle show, everybody's proud of their tattoos. They're saying, fuck you, we're did not going to. Did you ever see the Saturday Night Live when they had the, the roll-on tattoo remover? And, and no. And the girl, she was like, oh, man. She goes, when I went in, in college, I went down to Sandra Pay and I had a crazy weekend. And, you know, I have this to remember. It's like, it's like four bad girls, like, woo, like this on her back. And she's like, with this stuff, nobody will ever know of my mistake. And she's a white chick. And she goes, come here, kids. And all her kids come in and they're all black kids. Because <laughs> she was hanging out with Dexter down in San Tropez or something. It was, it was pretty funny. What yeah, you we, we probably should have walked through the bridal show just to see if that guy was set up over there. Oh, yeah, 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 he might have been true, working yeah. both shows. Yeah, yeah. What but, was your favorite part of the, the show? What was your thing that caught your eye? I don't know. I just kind of hung out all three days this time, and I just kind of had fun talking to people over at the vintage booth. Um, yeah. Yep. If you spend any time at the booth, Phil's uh, Moto Compo drew more attention. If Honda doesn't redo that, if they didn't take note at the show that all these new bikes were in the whole place, and that Moto Compo got more attention than anything, I think, anything in the show. I had a whole five-minute speech for that thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, he talked to everybody. <laughs> and it, yeah. it didn't seem to matter what the demographic was. No, young, Everybody old, was interested. Everybody was in looking at thing. it. Yeah. I, I just got to say, every, when, when it was just you in the booth, it was just Chris Smith in the booth, every single time somebody would come by, Chris would come up with a new fictional Honda small city car that this thing came in the trunk of. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they were buying it, but I said, you know what you're looking at? And that, that always gets people's attention. Yeah. And the, invariably they say no. A couple people say, oh, yeah, that came mm -hmm. in a Honda city. Yeah, they did. And I, and I picked up the name of the car from you. I didn't know what it was, but... <laughs> But the other thing was, you know, I tell them a little story about that, how, you know, 50 cc's and 50 pounds and fit in the back, and it's collapsing. And then I'd say it's one of five in the United States, because somebody told me that there's only five of them in the United States. So, you know, you're standing within one of five in the United States, right. and you're also within 50 feet of three folding motorcycles. Yeah, that was crazy. And you then, uh, yeah, so so Phil had another one, like a de Blasi, yep. and then over in the... Uh, the one booth from uh, Skidmark, they had another thing that was all folded down into the size of a stool. Yep. And uh, 
So, I mean, people dig on stuff like that because you like can a look at Marini or something. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it was. It's like a hot shot or a whole shot or something. I don't know. Shot. I can tell you, I don't know what it was. But people, yeah. when they saw that Moto Campo, they were a lot of people would stop. Old timers, young kids, and you know, kids with dads and stuff like that. They'd look at that, and then I'd say, and it's the only motorcycle in the whole show that'll fit on a five foot table. <laughs> and, uh, so I get a couple of laughs on that, and then uh, I tell them, look how good that uh, 81 Suzuki GS is over there. You want to go and take a photo of that? I'll be back next year. <laughs> Tip your waitresses. Yes. <laughs> and enjoy the harmonic cats coming up next. Off, what'd you, what, was, uh, what was your... Uh, I don't know. I was just... I know what rough, it was. I was having a rough weekend. I know what your favorite part was. What? Down in the Honda booth, there's a, a three gallons of uh, Steve Hoffer drool over <laughs> the, the uh, blue monkey. The blue monkey. Yeah, yeah. I you like know. that blue monkey, but yeah, I mean that's I mean that's mundane to me. I like that uh, Kawasaki W800. Yeah, I like the the style. I mean, I like the look of it. The cafe version or the regular? No, version? the regular one. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not a cafe person. I think they've destroyed so many Honda 350s, chopping them up. It's a travesty. The Kawasaki so, or the. Uh, Kawasaki Triumph W800. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, from the one side, the motor looks yeah just like a Triumph right. engine. Yeah, and that's what I like about they it. They had it done Kawasaki. up both ways. They had it right. done up like the old Triumph motor look, and they had it done up, up with the uh, the cut fins. Well, it was kind of well, it was like the uh, they had the Kawasaki Bonneville and the the Kawasaki Thruxton right, right next to each other. <laughs> right. True. Yeah, so I like that. And I mean, other than that, it's just like I said, the show seems small. And I went through the Honda. is just like so. It's like nothing that I want them to bring over to the states. Right. They bring over. I mean, they brought the monkey, so that's nice. But I mean, they don't bring the ADV. They didn't bring the C, the CT one twenty five. Right. Which would be nice. Yeah. That um, looks mean. The new one looks so yeah, good. I wish they would put the two speed, like the real low transmission. Yep. Like that would be great if they did that. They but didn't I bring the NM4. Then they didn't have an NM4 for Chris. But they, I do like the, I still do like the the new Goldwing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a that would be a comfortable bike. But like I said, what are you going to do? You're going to buy, you're going to spend twenty thousand dollars on a bike, and then there's going to be no gas in ten years. Or, right. I mean, I mean there will be gas in ten years, but I mean it's like you're buying a dinosaur, and, it, and if you're not buying a zero, you're buying a dinosaur. Yeah. Basically, yeah. because. You know, they're just going to make it more difficult, and, like, the people like, uh, it's just like steam. You know, like, oh, how many old-timers, you know, hung on to steam when gasoline was coming out? Oh, no problem. I'll just go down to the coal station. Right. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I'm just saying, it's like it's kind of like the gasoline engine is like the steam engine now, and it's going to be electricity if they could ever break the barrier of, like, you know, power density or, like, a small nuclear, you know, fission reactor. In the trunk. fusion reactor, you know, underneath your, like, that's sitting what, underneath your nuts. That's what we need on a, need on a two-wheeled vehicle is yeah. a small <laughs> nuclear, nuclear fusion reactor. <laughs> we can't trust people to put gas in them most of the time, but they're going to be able to handle a <laughs> nuclear reactor on the back. Yeah, I, I play a game that you would like. The first, it's what? called Space Engineers. Mm-hmm. And you get to, it's an open world, you design all this stuff. So I was so hesitant. I've been playing it for 300 hours. Okay? okay. So I'm like addicted to this game. Are you getting your homework done? So for you, so <laughs> I try to be like the green guy with all the solar panels to make my ship work. 
fuck those solar panels. I just started building nuclear reactors. <laughs> I mean, they're so much easier. But you just got to stay in the right lane. Yeah. And let everybody pass you. Yeah. I went, I went down a rabbit hole recently on YouTube, and there's some guy that, like, plays games wrong. And so companies give him games now. And, and he's really into all the things like that. Like, I don't know what the games are, but, like, they're like kind of like sim games where you have to build stuff and set up the worlds and things. And so there was one where he set up, like, and it's an island, and it's supposed to be, like, a tourism island. But instead, he built, like, 65 nuclear reactors and then had all these like, conveyor belts going everywhere, taking the, the uranium rods to one and then the waste. And, and, and it got to the point, like, I ended up watching this whole thing, and it was condensed, but it got so bad that he couldn't go on the island anymore. He had to be above it, floating in this thing to add stuff. Because when his character went to the island, he radiated to death in, like, these I think I think we should all take comfort in the fact that someday somebody will wheelie the first nuclear reactor. Actor. That's interesting. Well, what Someday. the first wheelie? Wheelie. wheelie. Yeah. Um, well, I'm assuming it's going to be what they're going to do is make cold fusion. They're going to be a size of a, you know, like a baseball or something. It'll be a cold fusion reactor the size of a baseball that'll provide as much power as you need. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't really, you're not going to use fissionable material because it doesn't make any sense. So, it's going to have to be like heavy water, like H3 or something, mm-hmm. I would think. I mean, I think that would be the most logical way to do it. What about just using wastewater sludge? <laughs> People do it right now. They burn it. So Compress it and then blow it up. <laughs> the problem is, is that by the time it becomes sludge it's mostly inert. It's, I mean, you, you're, all the volatiles are out of it so the energy content is very low. I mean, that's what you're trying to do is reduce the volatile content of it so that it it doesn't attract vermin. Mm. Now we have to make a decision if we like Professor Hoff or Drunk Hoff better. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think you need to start drinking. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Nick, what did you see? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, I was only there for a little bit. Um, I, I did go uh, Friday and Saturday morning I was there. And I I feel like I, I saw everything. Um I I'm t- I'm also disappointed in the fact that it's shrinking every single year. There's less and less manufacturers that show up. Uh, there's no Ducati, no BMW, no um, KTM, no KTM. Obviously, no Piaggio. Um, it really it was just the big the big four Japanese manufacturers and Harley Davidson and Indian. Indian, yeah. Um, and I gotta say, the my favorite part of the show was. The vintage section, uh, because there was a oh my god, somebody just died. Yeah, he's, he's he hasn't been drinking, but he's, he's breaking shit. <laughs> he's not coming out of there. No, <laughs> for the fifth time this week. Yeah. So so Nick, you you said that the that it's getting smaller and smaller, yep. but the good news is we're paying less and less to get in. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I I guess next year they're going to pay us. Right. <laughs> oh, well, no, work on your parking. Go down to nine dollars. <laughs> right. well, that being said, the the people that handle the show are great. Like the I think the girl's name is Tan or or something like that. She yeah. was in contact with Phil all the time and mm-hmm. us and everybody. 
when we got there, I had the camera gear and stuff, and she was like, "Go right that, you know." And and if you when you guys do this, please send us a link. We'll promote it. And yeah. it's like they were really they were really cool, and and I think they really appreciate what Phil does by bringing all that stuff because they right. they are super nice to everybody involved with with Phil's shop. So that and how of, how many bikes did he end up bringing? Do we have any? Oh, idea? there was a lot. It there was, was a lot. Like a dozen. I, at I least more than a dozen. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's probably what half of the vintage area, right? Maybe a quarter. Yeah, no, it's probably half. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's he's providing a pretty good service for the you and know. and that vintage section was about half the size of one of the big manufacturer spots, I think. Um, yeah, it was a pretty big big area. But you know what? So that's interesting. So there was probably as much action at the vintage area as there was at any of the new booths. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Harley booth was jam packed. Well, yeah. I'll say that. But they also were taking really a long time assigning. Like, I think that was mostly just Saturday. Saturday? Okay. Yeah, and they are also doing it kind of like clubs in New York City where they let a few people in and then the rest have to stand there to make sure their booth looks really active. Because they would take, like, when Cam went to sign up for the thing, he got pretty, he went through pretty quick. But I've seen other people stood there for 15 minutes signing some page and getting talked to before they got to sit on and ride the bike or do something. So I mean I don't know I think it was kind of a ploy to make sure they had a line of people and things around there but I don't know it could be wrong I, I think there's there's games going on but, yeah definitely games yeah. so so some of the things that we looked at did everybody check out the uh, the the dr big that they're calling it or the new Suzuki uh, uh, V-Strom, the yellow one that Suzuki had. Remember was that out? is that a like a what they're going to produce or was that somebody did somebody make that? Was no, it? it's so they have a new 1050 V Strom this year, yep. and I think that's a prototype of what they're going like. It's kind of like the Doctor the Dr Big yep. the 800 yep. they had. Um, I think that is a, a concept bike, but they didn't change much from what actually is available with the new V Strom. That's what it looked. It looked like a color scheme change and maybe a, skin, a couple. It add-on looked like bits. a handmade yeah. skid plate and yep. stuff on it. So yeah, it was definitely different than the thing. But that was pretty attractive. Mm-hmm. We, we we definitely filmed some of that. In fact, let's take a look at that right now. All right, guys, we are running, and we decided our first stop was going to be something that we've all wanted, we've all talked about a lot, and that would be everyone's begging for the Doctor Big. And uh, even though there's not a Doctor Big that exists yet. It's pretty clear that people at Suzuki have listened and they've put together some special project stuff. And this appears to be a special project item with the DID rims and a lot of upgrades that have been done to this particular machine uh, to make that V-twin leader class. So, you know, it's, this is a V-twin that's at 105.0 cc's. How do we know it's a project bike? Well, we look right, right. here yeah. at the podium. It says it is the V-Strom. And they give us a really good build list, and that's one of the cool things about coming to the IX uh, motorcycle show or any of the IMS shows, is when you got something up here on the podium, they tend to tell you what's going on with the bike. And for us who are looking at the idea, like, wouldn't it be great if we had a Dr. Big, if we had something in that class, leader class? I like V-Twins. I always have liked V-Twins, and this is a way to get your V-Twin adventure dosage without sliding over into the Ducati world or getting into the Aprilia or any of the other exotics. Um, you know, we know that V-Stroms are unkillable. We know that V-Stroms last forever. And here's one that is now dressed for the occasion, if you ask me. So really cool. And I do like the X-Star uh, bodywork. I like the whole, the look of the bike. I think it's, it hits a lot of buttons for me personally. Uh, I think it's cool. And again, but I am biased towards the V-Twin in this case. Um, you know, V-Twins have their, their reason to be fun. They're torquey as hell. They're a bit of a narrower bike. And when you look at this and you look at their street production models, there's 
you can see that this is pretty easy to do. The build sheet on this bike is pretty damn short. So uh, I, I do like it. Didn't you have a V-Strom at the shop at one point, the V, uh, the yeah. 1000? So we had the... We had the V-Strom 1000, we had the V-Strom 650, and we had the Versus 1000 and the Versus 650. And that's one of those situations where I said, I liked the V-Strom 1000, I liked the V-Strom 650 more because I just thought it did everything better. And the Versus 650, I like a hell of a lot more than the Versus 1000. I like to say it's a more willing accomplice for, for hooliganism. Like, the big bike is going to be a big bike. You can't take that away from it. Whereas the 650 that tries harder is always a little more fun. This is an adventure bike. It's not yeah. a trail bike. I mean, it's a it's big. Right. We were talking about the, the, v, the v layout being narrow. Right. Well, this is still not very narrow. So no, it's, I mean, it, you look at that, and it's got, it's got to be, what, 10 inches wider than it needs to be? just to hang crash bars and lights on it. But if you had to ride a bike all the way to Alaska or around the world, and you're gonna be spending a lot of time on tarmac and just dirt roads, this is probably the bike for you. I gotta agree, I, th I think that this one's- Competitor to like right. a, a GS 1200 or something, exactly. that kind of, that. And a hell of a lot narrower than that, and a hell of a lot lighter than that. I know that BMW fanboys are gonna hate it, but I like this bike a lot, so. Japanese reliability, we never can, and it's going to be cheap to keep on the road. Cheaper. And that's a big part. It's cheaper to keep her. It is cheaper to keep her, yeah. <laughs> so I like this one. Cam, what do you think about this one? Only thing it's missing is gold anodized wheel rims. Oh, this one really caught my eye. And one of the reasons it caught my eye is just I like the retro, I like the retro angle of it. And I do think that this is something that is more and likely to end up in my garage So than a lot of the others. We'll see what we come across in other booths. All right, and so that you know the Dr. Big was cool, um, and then right next to it was the new Quintana. Did you guys check that out at all, Chris? I didn't see it. You didn't see the new Quintana at all? It I was, didn't um, see it. They they had it last year at the show also, but last year it was on up on the pedestal. You couldn't sit on it. This year they had them down on the ground that you could yep. actually sit on them. And just like I think we talked about it last time, it's it's a good looking bike. It kind of holds on to the Quintana style, but they just fucked the back end of it up. Huh. They took like a nice Cantana front, kind of modernized it, and in the back of it, they just—it looked like every dude that's on so? Craigslist chopped the back. I end thought of it, it looked all. pretty sweet. Come on! I thought the the tail light blended really well into the back of it. I mean, it—I like vintage bikes where it has a full rear fender and a big long soap bar seat and the tail light and and stuff like that. But but I think for what it is as a modern kind of edgy looking bike, I, th I think they did a good job. I mean, yeah, it didn't suck. But I think the back of the, the original Cantana was such a definitive part of it yeah. that they kind of took that away. So, I mean, like, if it was its own bike and it wasn't a recreation of something, yeah, it's fine. That's true. But I think, because yeah. the front is so kind of true to, to... It does look, look similar. Yeah, did yeah. you see the Cantana, Steve? That was there, the new Cantana? Yeah, but... You didn't do nothing for yeah. you? <laughs> you know, like I said, I'm, I'm the older I get... And you're old. I'm, yeah, I'm old. I'm you almost, were born uh, at 64. Yeah, I'm almost as old out. as you. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it, though. You're catching up, though, pretty fast. <laughs> none, of that, none of that got you excited, though, huh? Now, you know what? I think, didn't they say that the first bike you ride is the brand that you, you like, love? Yeah. And it's like, to me, I just... I like Hondas, and yeah, I pretty too. much I can't get excited by a Suzuki that just keeps producing the same bike for like 30 years but in a row. this is new. 
Aren't you happy for them that they're making something new? This is the new Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the new Coke, yeah. Once it's not carbureted. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good. They, they finally fuel-injected something. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's good. I mean, I think it'll be good because anybody who's owned a Katana knows what a pain in the ass those things were. So. But we're also talking about not the can of tunas that looks like a plastic, you know, wannabe sport bike. We're talking about the original Katana with, like, yeah. you know, the blade to it. But anyways, we did film that, so we'll go ahead and cut to that right now. So... It's moved from the rotating podium down to the actual floor. It's not yet achieved the level where you can sit on it, but it is here and it is down at uh, lower eye level. So this bike is getting closer and closer and closer to availability. We, uh, it's a love or hate it, man. Just like the original, just like the first Katana, it was a love it or hate it experience. And I do give them incredible props for what they've done with the front end of the bike hanging into that early 80s look hanging into that you know world's first super sport bike aesthetic keeping that together in the front end unfortunately i do still agree i think they lost it all in the back so i think the back of this motorcycle is not doing the front any favors but i do love the look of it and it does look historical to me when i see this i can't help but think of the older ones uh what's that Oh, this is the new Katana. So uh, so Suzuki's done this now. They've, they've done everything they can do with the GSXR series. And Katana for so many years was plagued with this reputation of being the poor man's GSXR. Well, remember when Katanas first came out, they weren't the poor man's GSXR. They were the GSXR. And this takes it back to that. We're not getting a budget bike here. We're not getting the low-dollar economy build of their performance race bike. We're getting a cutting-edge, top-of-the-line build on a street machine. Not a track bike, not meant to be a track bike, definitely meant to be a street bike. Look at the handlebars, look at the way it's set up. Certainly not a GSXR track bike, but a very, very cool Katana street bike. And I'm super happy to see it come back. It's, it's really neat. Cam, do you, you like this one? I'm really excited about this one. Um, it's got really, really great build quality, which I wasn't necessarily expecting great build quality from the bike. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised. It's at the price point you would expect. Like Phil said, I grew up in an era where, you know, when the original Katanas came out in 81, I believe, uh, that was kind of old news. The Jixxer supplanted it. But nobody does retro-futuristic better than the Japanese, and this is proof of it. This not only looks like a retro-futuristic katana, but it also looks kind of like its own thing, and at the same time, it also looks like one of the lesser gang members in Akira would have ridden it. But uh, I sat on it, really liked the ergonomics of it, um, and it's 474 pounds, so by my standards, that is a light bike. But it, it carries the weight well. But the one thing, and, and I guess we kind of have to wait till it spins around to show itself to us, that I really liked, I mean, on the venerable GSXR... Yeah is the, uh, the, like the honeycomb little filter that they put over the exhaust here. I don't know if you can zoom in on that cinch, but let's look at this right here. Look at that treatment on that, on that acropovic exhaust. That is one of the sexiest exhausts that I've seen. And, I mean, this is a bike that, this is a track bike. This bike was first place at the Red Bull uh, GP of the Americas. So this bike has racetrack props. I mean, this bike has credentials. 
And when you look at it and you're like, oh, this is an actual machine that came off the track after winning a championship, and it's sitting here so we can examine it, and we can see the differences between a street bike or even a high-end sport bike and the bike that actually gets raced on the track. And I like that. I love when you see an actual ridden track race bike, and you're like, oh, remember that gas tank that we hated so much on the Ducati Supersport 800 because it was right in my gut? Look at that thing. Look at those big front rotors. They're not drilled. They're not yeah. slotted. They're not nothing. They're just big old truck rotors. Yeah, those are ceramics, and they're going to be uh, the life Ceramic. cycle on the yeah the life cycle on those. Those are carbon actually. Those are carbon brake pads or brake rotors. So the life cycle on those is going to be greatly abbreviated, but they can operate within such a wider range of temperatures and give you so much more stopping. And there's a huge weight savings when you go to a carbon uh, brake. So basically, you have ceramic brake pads yep. and ceramic rotors. Yeah. So ceramic idea. on ceramic. Right. The whole idea with this is it's weight savings but extreme performance. So it's really, really neat. Uh, I do like the giant spacers there stacked up to move the calipers back as far as they can to get the maximum amount of rotor area. Right. So uh, doing what you can. Leverage. To... Oh, yeah. And if they w I think if they could park those Brembo calipers right against the wheel, they would do it. I like so. that little exposed clutch with the carbon fiber cover. Yep, and if anybody thinks that rear brakes are important, look at how minuscule and tiny and ridiculous and low-tech the rear brake is on this motorcycle compared to the front brakes. The rear brakes on this thing, um, they're, they're an absolute afterthought. So that tells you how people who ride for a living and people who race professionally, uh, how much they use their rear brakes. Clearly not much. All right, let's move over here to these kid squads. Oh, hold on. Oh, God damn it. All right, we're back from that. Um... <laughs> Well, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. The studio audience is eating yeah, yeah, rice right now. Yeah. <laughs> you guys check out Yamaha's booth. You were with us when we did the yeah. Yamaha, right? Yeah. They had a lot of pretty good presentations this year. They had the new uh, Super Tenere. Well, not Super. It's the T7 Tenere. which it's I'm the baby Tenere. Yeah, I was kind of geeked out about. Was that Was that a, a high-profile bike then? Because yeah. I remember you trying to get your leg over it, and outside of you having that bad hip, I thought you jumped on that pretty easily. Yeah, no, it, it was cool. I mean, it was up on a thing. So I think it's you're up thinking on the center of, stand. Yeah, you were thinking of. I jumped on the uh, FJ or FZ09 or whatever the 09 is. Okay. Because that's like the road version of my Super Tenere. This one was the blue one that's more of the dirt bike that was on the, the yeah, riser. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's so the one is that, that a vertical twin too? Is the 700? I didn't. I don't really, I think it is. It is, yeah, 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 it is. They didn't put like a savage engine. No. <laughs> or like some single cylinder, like big. No, blah, blah, but they, they did a lot of things right. Like it seems pretty skinny and narrow, yeah. so it actually is more of a dirt bike than a lot of the things they were doing before. Um, all the test riders seem to like it. The suspension's good. But again, it's pretty expensive. It's like, you know, eleven or 12000 bucks, which I don't have to buy on a bike. Yeah. But it was cool to see it in person. It's been We've been waiting for it for so long. It was kind of neat to see. And so we filmed that. So let's take a look at that. For all the fanboys out there, for all the people on ADV Rider, um, thanks for banning me. appreciate that. So cool. Uh, we are going to talk about the bike everyone wants to talk about. This is Yamaha Tenere 700. Uh, again, we're seeing that MT-07 stuff. We're seeing this 700cc parallel twin power plant. We're seeing it show up in an extremely well thought out, very well equipped adventure bike. Uh, as we all know, Sleepy's got his uh, Super T and loves it to death. Yamaha doesn't make many mistakes in this market, and I don't think they made one here. People are going bananas about this. Now, I got to warn you, though, the trouble with this bike is it says right on here that this is a 2021 sad trombone noise. So the 
I do love it. I think that everything about the thing is just gorgeous. The Dakar-inspired uh, front windshield assembly. The difference between this and every other Dakar windshield is you can see through this one. That's kind of nice to be able to see what's happening in front of your motorcycle. The uh, biggest, I think the, the, they're doing this bike by reservation. So you have to go ahead and ahead of time put your money down or put your commitment in to get these bikes. They're going to do a reservation in, they said, spring. So now whether that calls for April or May, you're going to have to pre-order the machine. And you're, there's a hell of a lot of stuff on this bike. The more you look at the bike, the more your eye picks up items that you would normally be thinking of as an aftermarket item. If what the product that rolls to the customer is this product, I think we're all going to be super happy with the 700cc platform. What you're saving is the weight. You're getting a lot less weight in the machine. And I'll go ahead, I'll take you around to the back of the bike real quick. Uh, you know, on this transmission, the transmission on the machine is actually situated above the crank. So your center, everything stays nice and narrow and tight. So it's kind of an interesting build on the motor. It's a motor we've seen in a lot of the other Yamaha products. It's skinny. I mean, this is... We're going to go back to a bike that's been around for years. We talk about a Versi 650, which is also a parallel twin. We talk about how happy that motor is and how much it likes to rev. And here's Yamaha doing the same thing. A dual overhead cam motor. We've got an eight-valve engine sitting in front of us. And we've got a bike that's going to rev real happy. So really, really impressed with it. Again, I think this is an excellent alternative to a 1,200cc adventure bike. I think this is going to be something that for a lot of people is going to be a lot lighter, a lot easier to throw around, certainly a lot easier to pick up if you happen to throw it down. A lot narrower than the B-Strom 1000. Hell yeah, this is narrower, and I, yeah, that's a big thing to pay attention to. When you think about the idea of riding a motorcycle off-road, you think about the idea of riding a motorcycle up the trail to get to your campsite, yeah, the handlebars can get through the trees, but the bottom of the motorcycle can't. And I always... My, pre my preference is not to run the big bags on the bike. I like to keep the bike as narrow as possible. And this is a bike that I think is going to work well for that. What would you put this up against, like a GS800 yeah. BM, Beamer? Absolutely. I think this is a KTM 790, the, B the BMW GS800. I think that th that's where this bike's in. This is where it's living. It's a serious adventure bike. It's not a, it's not a misused light touring bike. A lot of the bikes they call adventure bikes are light touring bikes that are being misused off-road. I think this machine is actually a purpose-built off-road motorcycle that can do light touring duty. Kind of cool. I really do like it. I think they've done a hell of a job with it. So. I'd take that up a well-groomed hill climb. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I can see why they're doing a waiting list to do the bike because I think, as we all talked about, the energy and the talk on this bike is huge right now. People are fired up. What's that? I don't know. I didn't have a recommended MSRP on the placard. So that's a TBD, man. Uh, I guess when you sign up to buy the bike in April uh, or May, they're going to let you a little, hopefully they'll let you know. <laughs> right. You can sign up this year. So you can sign up 2020 and they'll deliver the bike. They say they're going to do delivery in 2021. So we'll see. T-dubs, man, T-dubs. Uh, the color scheme's great. I love that. The the black and tan together. Well, black and tan. Why wouldn't we love that? It should have a freaking Guinness sticker on the front fender, I guess, for that paint scheme. But uh, And we're in the same. We are talking about before, what a challenge this is. The MT-03 is $4,500, and uh, this bike is $4,600. The Van Van was $4,600. Right. So, oh, man, and that shootout, I, uh, I got to buy the MT-03, right? Right. I mean... 
upside down forks. It looks much cooler. It's a cooler bike. But again, why didn't they take this out of the lineup? Two hundred fuel injected now, or is it still carbureted? Uh, no, this is this is still carbureted. The van so, van is fuel injected. Oh, the van van's fuel injected. Yes, it is. That gives it a Suzuki built a fuel injected small motorcycle. Yes, I didn't think that was possible. I, I, I'm. This is what I. This is what shock looks like. So they got right to the front I of the pack. I to be corrected, but I, I read up on it. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Wow, cool. that's super cool. Well, we might end up checking one of those out. So, cool, guys. And we're back. And then so. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. But, um, and then Phil was kind of into, and uh, who else was with us? I think Oscar and everybody. The MT series. So Yamaha brought the MT series, which had like a 125, a 350, or a 400. It was a whole, it was a whole line of the things all the way up to like a 900. And it used to be like the Tracer 900 or something like that. But it was kind of neat. Like, they did a whole series of, of naked sport bikes that looked kind of affordable, kind of decent. But the weird part was, is, like, the 300 had, like, inverted forks and really nice triple trees and stuff. And then you got up to, like, the 700 or six, or whatever the middle size one was. And it was, like, the, a bike that they kind of forgot about. Like, it had, like, the cheesy forks, like, you know, the 1.5-inch <laughs> top to them and stuff. So, like, the baby one was, like, all brand new and awesome. The other one was great. And then the middle guy was, like, oh, yeah, let's... Pull some parts you out get of the shit. bit. Yeah, just put it together and, and whatever. So, but we, we we sat on it. And I think I think Johnny Mac and Cam got on top of uh, one of those bikes together to make sure that it was uh, buddy compatible. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can take a look at that. So here we are in Yamaha booth, and obviously, for anybody who's a big fan of the old Phaser line, anybody who's a big fan of the, all the street bikes that Yamaha's been doing for ages, this is a really really hot commodity. The whole line. So we've run MT03s. MT-07s, MT-9s, MT-10s. So every size of Street Fighter. I mean, these are hooligan bikes right from the factory, and they are cool. And for so long, that little 300 class, it was pretty much the R3. And everybody knew that if you were going to build a 300cc bike, it had to be competitive with the R3. The downside was the R3 was very much a committed sport bike. It had a lot of plastic on it. The riding position was set up in a sport bike fashion. When you get into the MTs, the riding position is a lot more fun. It's a lot more upright. It's a true hooligan. It's a true street fighter. These things are fantastic looking, too, if you just want to go on the bike based on the appearance of it. The motors are tried and true. They're bulletproof. And for guys that do love a Street Fighter bike, we've had fun with every single one we have, whether we've had the Phaser, the FZ08. Uh, we really dug these things. And I think that Yamaha's done a great job by putting something to the public that is exactly ready to rock. The, the layout is definitely Street Fighter. So for people who are that pure sport bike kind of guy, it might not appeal to them. But if you are a commuter, if you're the kind of guy that's going to be riding back and forth to work on it, I think it's a viciously good-looking motorcycle. I think they nailed it. And I do think if you're an entry-level rider and you're paying attention to the small, lighter, inexpensive bikes, an MT-03 is going to be something you have to look at. I like its lack of plastic. I like it's very much going to get on the bike and ride it kind of attitude. So I'm really excited. You know, we've got a lot of 300s in our world right now, and we're excited to shoot them out against each other. I think first time we can get our hands on an MT-03 and run it against some of the other bikes we've done, you know we're no stranger to putting a big fat guy on a little bike, and this offers a lot of opportunity. I'm, I'm really digging on it. How do you feel about the big fat guy on a little bike? I'm not joking. I heard you call for a stunt double there. <laughs> and when we got the MT-10, if you can hooligan this this weight package, I mean, this I think is not ready. a problem. Yeah, I don't I have mean. any problem with this. I think the whole idea behind this 
as a, as a two up. Now it's you not guys, bottomed out. As I've learned two from up. every single Japanese uh, video game I've ever played, you guys are now ready to go rob banks and steal cars. Why? Yeah, you got your katana and your yeah your nine millimeter. You're ready to run. It's pretty cool. So I got I I love the MT stuff. It's cool. What do you think, Cam? Um, I think it's really cool that I'm a big fan of naked bikes, yep. and I think it's really cool that Yamaha kind of led the charge starting a few years ago on naked bikes not just being a sport bike without fairings, but having their own style. So I've been a really big fan of the MT bikes for that I reason. I, I think they're fantastic. They, they do look like they look like space-rated equipment. They look like something that you could be, uh, you know, fighting the Empire on. I like well, the color uh, and the symbols and stuff like that. It's it's almost ridiculous how like Star Trek or you know Star Wars or Star something. Uh, I'd say they've fully committed to the transforming robot theme. Yeah. yeah, they have, and so they've taken it to the point where it's like sometimes we joke about a bike looking like a transforming robot. Yamaha clearly went out of their way to make that happen. Cool. I think it's going to age similarly to the way we love like bikini fairings now. Like in like twenty or thirty years, like these naked bikes that have these really wild futuristic looks. The future's going to look nothing like this, but everybody's going to want this bike in 30 years because of that. The, the, the future's going to be egg-shaped, and what's going to be really super cool is going to be the Hayabusa's. They're going to be like, oh, that was so far ahead of its time because it was actual really wind tunnel aerodynamics, whereas this stuff is clearly just... You don't see race bikes with these angles, man. That's just not the way it works, but it is very aesthetically pleasing. If you look at the new R1s, the new design, the face of the R1, uh, Steve, if you can pan to your left real quick and slide down. Look at the front end on the R1. It is dead sexy. It's not the, the R1, the, the R1M. Yeah, this is the M, so yeah, this is your carbon fiber. But if you look at the front end of this, R1s, R6s have always had this amazing beak. The front end of the bike was always dead sexy. The eyes were just staring at you. It was real menacing. And then for the new series, look at this. The front end is insane. This is crazy. Um, it does not look as though there's enough light emitting space here. But underneath these, we've got the projector beams down low. And LED lighting rigs make these bikes so much brighter. And now we are into something it's like that is. When you see an alien and they have no eyes, yeah. there's just a clear face. It's just a little slit. Yeah, this really does. Yeah, and they do. The front end looks like a term, or it looks like a predator. So it's really cool. And then, the, but we always get a kick out of the completely superfluous wing on the back, where your body would be, of course, in the way of that. Yeah, transponder's already on the bike for the M. So, yeah, pretty cool. And, of course, we do have to warn you, the regular bike is at about 17.3, 17.4. Um, getting into this is 26,000 doll hairs. So, yeah, yeah, I did $26,000. But, I mean, this is your race team right here. This is get on the track right now. So, a lot of carbon fiber, a lot of Italian chrome on this bike. Yeah, yeah, you're going to pay for that. So, but, yeah, super sexy, super cool. But, God, just look at the... The front end of these things is just dead sexy. All right, we're going to go and hit the bar. And come back. And uh, so then we already talked about Royal Enfield, which they wouldn't talk to us, so that was great. All right, guys, so here we are. We are uh, Cleveland Motos, again, giving you a feed. Now, interesting thing just happened. This happens from time to time now. We are standing here. I talked to uh, the guys from Royal Enfield North America, and I said, hey, we want to know more about your product. We want to talk to you about your product, know a little bit more what's going on. And they said, can't do it. Declined. Declined. Hard no, right? Total hard pass. And they said, well, we're not doing that. We're not authorized to talk to you guys about our product. We're not authorized to talk to you guys about our message, our mission statement, uh, what we're selling in our booth. They probably have people who make a lot of money who are authorized to talk about it, but they're not here right now. 
and a big part of that too is they're trying to control the message. So right now in today's right in in today's information based society, a bad message. Yeah, uh, the joke is bad gas travels fast in a small town. Right? Somebody says the wrong thing, everybody knows about it at the speed of the internet. To protect themselves from that, they're saying, well, we're not talking about that to a television camera. Right. So, yeah. So to a TV camera, they're not going to have that discussion. Or, and I said, well, can we go audio? Do you guys have a problem with doing audio for a podcast? They said, no, we're not doing that. So no recording devices whatsoever. So I'm going to leave you guys up to your own to figure out whether or not you're interested in Royal Enfield. Moving on. And then we went to Honda. And we were, you weren't with us, but we were looking at the Blue Cub, and we knew that you were into it. It does look nice, though. You no, the, cub, the Blue Cub is not, that's last year's Cub. The Blue Monkey. Oh, okay. the Blue, oh, sorry, the blue, blue Monkey, monkey, monkey is monkey. nice. Yeah. And, and I would like to buy one, just because that's what I started And they would like to sell one out. to you. No, I know. But, I mean, they'd like to sell me anything. They'd sell me, like, their old coffee cups. I don't mean but. They'd like to sell all of it to you. Yeah. Right. But it was funny, because the three bikes they had in a row, mm-hmm. I, I, they had the Africa Twin, right. the Super Cub, and the monkey, monkey, and I own all three of those. So. Did, speaking of the Africa Twin, did did that get a facelift, or well, did it look new, different? Well, there's yeah. two. There's the Africa Twin, and then there's the Africa Twin Adventure Sport. Right, and right. It, it was the red, white, and blue with the gold wheels. Well, they they both come in that color scheme, but the Adventure Sport now is it's a bigger tank. It's made for touring, hmm. and it has turning lights. So instead of the headlights and the just the headlights in the front, it has a second set underneath that when you turn, it kind of like they project off to the right uh, and left. Oh, and yeah, stuff. yeah, you were saying that. Yeah. So you don't fall off the mountain? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but, I can find you once you're down at the bottom. Yeah, because <laughs> he's like... <laughs> but, well, and, and again, talking about a, adventure bikes, did anybody check out the adventure bike area? That was, I don't think they were affiliated with any brand of motorcycle. Oh, no. I, I, I walked by it. Um, they had like a tent set up or something like right. that. I mean, I, I grabbed their, their flyer, and mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the organization, but... There's an organization it's, that has like set rides it, that are yeah, mostly dirt and gravel roads. It's mm-hmm. the guys that make the maps. It's Butler Maps, and it's the like they do the M M B B D R or whatever the. Right. So like they do the TAT, the Transatlantic Trail. They have maps for that. They just finished one last year, which we were supposed to do on mini bikes that goes from like Pennsylvania down to you know whatever. So they Kentucky set Kentucky or yeah, all right. Tennessee, so, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that one's yeah. like still eighteen hundred miles. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to do it on a small bike. It'd be so much fun because you're not you're not going to kill yourself. You know what I mean? I, like, I tried to go to the adventure booth, but their side cases were so wide I couldn't get into it <laughs> and talk to anybody. <laughs> but no, but that that was cool. Like they set up and they have. If you look at the schedule, they had things like how to pack. So they tell you like what you actually need to bring, what you don't, and how to fit it into your pannier is what makes most sense. Yeah, like you know, cool. like don't don't put your tire iron at the bottom. And you know your your whatever, and don't put your wet weather gear at the very bottom of your pannier with all your shit on top. Don't of put it. anything at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything goes on top. All right. <laughs> Although no, you, you put your weed at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to Canada, yeah. your firearm, you keep all those yeah. really low in the bag. Right now, now was I uh, mistaken, or did your all have a uh, display? He did. They well, had like now four or five bikes, and I haven't seen them in a long time. Were they there last year? Last year. Were they? Yeah, okay. they have. They had a about the same size display. They had like one little square, but they had like four bikes packed in there, and they had all the two wheel drive bikes. They're so t- the two wheel drive bikes are so tall. Bikes? Did they stack them? Wait, did they? <laughs> no, they were all like. I thought there were four. Maybe there were only three. But, but were there, there were any three or four? Were there any? I think you're right. Four or five. Yeah, there, there were four. Wow. Yeah. yeah, they had. They packed. They used their space very well. But was there any of them there that wasn't two wheel drive? I think everyone. No, they were all, all two wheel drive. Right. Right. 
And it's so, crazy because there's a giant, like, exposed, like, moose knuckles, like, to drive that other wheel coming off the hub and stuff. It's neat to see. Yeah, but there's, I mean, I would think that it's it's fixed, though. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do it, and you'd have to be in sloppy terrain to even engage that thing. And there's, there's no, no there's viscous, no there's no anything there. Did you see the Fortnite, you know, that Fortnite guy or whatever it is, the guy from Canada? He does the reviews on YouTube. He took one, the two-wheel drive URL, and went all over the place, and it's amazing what that thing can go through. Oh, I'm sure it can. He's like, it doesn't drive straight. It's not comfortable. He's like, you know, it's like the most most ridiculous thing you'll ever have, but it will go through anything. And like, he has that thing going up things, down things, through mud, rivers. I, I love mine, but, you know, I'm just, I don't want to go any distance. I have the 650. I like that motor. I mean, but it always sounds like you're shaking a box of gravel. <laughs> so Phil texted me the other day and said that he's going to give me that, not give it to me, whatever. I mean, he's got that bike available for me, and I'm going to transplant that R75 motor in, and oh. I'm going to see if I could transplant it with the swing arm so I have an enclosed drive shaft, too. No, oh, nice. Oh, uh, okay. So maybe use the back end of the frame or something of the BMW. So what's the story? So it was like in the in the war or something like that, BMW let Ural use their blueprints for the motor, or how did they, or did they just steal it, or what I was I think the they deal? probably just... It was after the, World War II. Yeah. Didn't the Russians go in and just abscond with all the uh, right. with all the blueprints and everything after so Germany was smashed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, so Harley Davidson did the same thing because they produced the W forty two. Was it the W forty two? It was a flathead BM opposed twin. It looked exactly like a BMW. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, to the victor goes the spoils, I guess. Well, yeah. hey, and speaking of Harley, so everybody check out. Finally, see the live wires yep. there, and they had they let you ride them on rollers, and like just sitting there, like you could. I gotta, play. I gotta admit, it sounded pretty cool. Well, it sounded like a circular <laughs> saw, not a drill. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they spent they spent a lot of time making it sound, and all, right. all that did money it, it made a lot custom. of noise. Did it clang when it stopped? No, <laughs> but so Cam, unfortunately, Cam's not here today. But Cam to wait, defend himself, yeah, to right. No, but this was funny. So he, you know, he writes for Harley Davidson Forum. So it was a big deal for him to get on the live wire and ride it. So we all we we filmed it, and he went over and signed up for the deal, and he went and sat on the stationary bike that you could get on and rev and all that stuff. And it was pretty funny to see him. So he gets on it and he revs it and he just pins the thing. And it sounds like somebody's just like cutting through like a, a four by eight or something. <laughs> and then he gets off. You know, he enjoyed it. He said it was pretty cool. He said the experience was actually really good. He said it felt like a motorcycle. But the thing that we couldn't get over and we all started laughing at is when you sit on the seat and you turn the bike on, it has a haptic feedback thing underneath the seat that goes boom, 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 boom. <laughs> To make you feel like you're sitting your on, prostate. yeah. To make you feel like you're sitting on a V twin, and oh, I thought that was pretty crazy. That's the man. cheesiest like, thing. It is right. Sound of live wires being ridden in captivity. Uh, we're here at the Harley booth, Cleveland Motorcycle Show, IMS show, and uh, as you can see, they've got the Harley set up on the dynos so that you can hop on the bike and you can give it a honk uh, and. Here's me violating the first rule of being at the range, never stand in front of a loaded weapon. And here I am standing in front of the firing line, trusting that their rigs are set up to be safe, truly nerf, uh, while we've got electric motorcycles running right behind me. The, uh, the setup, yeah. 
everybody is extremely excited. And what we've seen is as we've gone from the AIM show in Columbus, they had one of the bikes chained to the floor in captivity. Now we've got two of the bikes chained to the floor in captivity. And we got another one sitting over there that you're allowed to sit on. So very cool. And you know that we're going to do our very best to get our leg over one of these if we can. And uh, I, I believe they're actually trying to get people on the bikes at this point. So we're, uh, I think Cam's going to go ahead and take one. Uh, for the team, he's going to go get signed up. Now, apparently, it's not just walk up, stand up, show up, ride the bike. There's going to be an information gathering process, I'm sure. So I see Cam is being relegated over to the uh, iPads of Doom so he can give them his name, social security number, and commitment to purchase one as fast as humanly possible. So, yep, and I believe uh, there's also an orange color. So it's very attractive in orange. The, uh, what we will do is we'll check back with Cam as soon as he gets his opportunity to get his training and throw his leg over one. Uh, they're going to take you through and give you the briefing. The nice thing about Cam going through it is that Cam will be able to report back to us what the training seminar includes. He's our local HD expert. He is. He is our local HD expert. Uh, Cam Vanderhorst on the HD forums. So there you go. So I'm going to take that back. I originally said it did sound like a, uh, a drill, but I'm going to take it back. It sounds like a circular saw. And I think that's that. I think that might be the bevel. So this is the engineered sound that they, this, could, they, they decided to produce? Yeah, this was the engineered sound. This is the sound that Harley-Davidson decided was going to carry the idea or the concept of Livewire to the customer so that you would know from an auditory signature what the Harley Livewire was when you heard it coming down the road. And again, I'm thinking at this point, Circular saw. Yeah, something like that. It's not, or yeah, it's not quite a dentist drill bit, but right. it's like I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it something pleasant or like. I mean, I don't know. It it does sound to me like rechargeable circular saw. Yes. Yep. And not not working, not not cutting, just, but free, just running it. Well, you yeah. know, there, there's, a, and that is exactly what's going on yeah. here. This is not a dyno. There is no, no there's no load on it. Yeah, no, so it's it's no load. You're just revving your drill. And it's it is it's it's not it's its response is going to be with I mean clearly it's an, an, an unloaded wheel. So yeah. yeah. Yep. It's Cam getting uh, Cam's getting ready. Oh, I, we might be getting a uh, we'll see if he he gets in there. There you go. So we got our very own Cameron Vanderhorst from HD Forums. Uh, in his capacity at HD Forums, Cameron writes about all the Harley Davidson products. He's also a Harley Davidson owner and. Uh, a guy that represents a younger breed of Harley Davidson owner too. That's the thing. He's you know he's new about it. And when we uh, get Cam here in the shot, fantastic. So um, you notice we got two fans blowing on these things, and that is a big thing with electric motorcycles. Is cooling is everything. Um, some of the motorcycles will have supplemental liquid cooling. Uh, Zeros do not do that. There are a lot of just radiant cooling, letting the letting the ambient air around the bike cool it. So you can see here, based on these these test rigs, they've got the supplemental cooling of these two Lasco fans. So being up. electric doesn't mean that it doesn't still need to be cooled in some way. Right. I mean, energy journey equals heat. Yep, that's exactly right. So um, that is definitely one of the biggest things about. All right. Now, 
The look of concentration on Cam's face as he adjusts the rheostat on the ceiling fan is one uh, for the books. I did just hear the gentleman say that the torque is instant. Instant torque. So it's instant torque. Um, and I'd like to say that we will modify that statement as saying, thank God it's not actually instant torque or it would freaking kill you. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you can't, it has to still be fly by wire, otherwise, yeah, um, if it was instant torque, it wouldn't be a sales feature. Right. It would be a bad design. Right. Yeah. Yep. I have a feeling some of that noise might even be coming from the rig that they have it setting on, you know, the, the rollers and stuff. So it would be interesting to see the difference between on the rollers and on the street. Wow. Oh, that was fast. It was. It was very fast. <laughs> it was wild. It's cool. When you turn the bike on, you can actually feel like there's like a little low rumble underneath you on the seat like they actually put is in. There really? there really is. What do you think that cost them in wattage? It's worth it, whatever it is. I'll be the first to tell you, a Harley is not the fastest bike. It's not the best handling bike. It's never the best bike for the money. It's all about the experience. Uh, the visceral experience. And they nail the experience. Did they really? They really nail the experience. It really does feel like an occasion. Oh, my God. It feels like a different sort of occasion than a Zero is. A right. Zero is very purposeful, and I love that about it. But this is very much, you know, it's got the gear noise. There's it's got that stupid. things that have been added to The it. rumble doesn't feel... It's not like they're trying to make it feel like a V-twin underneath you. It's just letting you know that there's something going on electrically, and it's really cool. Yes, haptic feedback. It's a good word. Yeah. So do you think that's a Hitachi? Do you think that's a Hitachi haptic feedback unit? Well, my ex-girlfriend had one that was pretty worn out, so yeah. it feels a little stronger than that. So, so probably a fresh Hitachi. Probably a fresh Hitachi. Yeah. So he just got a chance to ride the demo unit over there. And so he told me, though, that there was this, this thing that happens. When you turn the bike on, there's something happening underneath you. Yeah, so what? it's a haptic pulse. Wait, he said the word haptic, too. Bing, 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 bing. John said haptic. And we were like, yeah. man, 75-cent word coming out of John's mouth. Yeah. Nice. So it's, it's really to give the bike a little bit of a heartbeat. Okay. So cool. that you know that it's on. And right. Because really with a, an electric bike, you come to a stop and it gives you that reassurance. You know, you, you could feel that it's ready to go. Wait, you mean it's you didn't accidentally turn it off? You didn't accidentally turn right. it off or you're in the garage and you forget you enable propulsion. Right. You know, you, it gives you that little bit okay. so that you yeah. don't just like grab a little bit of throttle and unexpectedly Yeah, unintended take acceleration yeah, incident. There's, there's a... Plenty of oh, yeah. uh, examples of those. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always been a thing with electric motorcycles. You never leave the keys anywhere near them yeah. because there's no warning to let you know that one's about to go through the drywall. Yeah. So you guys go, oh, get the key out of that thing and hide it yeah. so nobody like surprises us with yeah. sudden acceleration. Yeah. Can I feel that feeling of getting on the bike and turning it on? We actually or is this one permanently hold. on? This one is only in the display. Is okay. On. So only the ones on the live wire have what's called propulsion enabled so that okay. you can actually put the, the motor So this is in drive. safe mode to make sure nobody here in the booth right. has so an we, unintended acceleration so we've incident. we disabled propulsion so that we can show off oh, Sorry dude. No problem. So that we can show off the HD Connect right. service. Yeah. So we can show both the cellular connectivity that's powered with the bike so when you're away from the bike you're charging you know a yeah. lot of uh, like Electrify America will charge you more once the bike's done charging Absolutely. to be parked, then yep. while it's charging. So That's you want right. to know. So we send you alerts when 
Uh, it's nearly complete when cool. it's complete charging, or you can look it up on the app and see right. where it's at. The other thing we have is we have Bluetooth connectivity. So right. unlike some of our touring bikes that have a big infotainment, right. we're leveraging the rider's smartphone and the Harley-Davidson yeah. app. So Smart idea. Start up turn-by-turn -turn navigation. Through that Bluetooth connection, you can see the next turn right information. The you can yep. hear the, the audio instructions, and you can do certain things with your music. So you can have your Spotify or other streaming service, and you can use the hand controls to volume up, volume down, mm -hmm. and skip the next song. Right on. So that's some of the Bluetooth connectivity that we built with the Harley. Build it into the bike. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. make customers put another thing on the handlebars. Right. So, so the more, the less things you add to the handlebars, the better yeah. for everybody. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. We have added a USB-C port here as well, mm -hmm. so that you can power your phone if you are doing turn-by-turn right. navigation, obviously. Yep. Regardless of which app you use, that, that's going to drain the battery of pretty course quick. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. So we want you yeah. to still be charged up when you get there. Well, I'm so sad I didn't get to feel the haptic heartbeat, but I'll make it my quest to feel a haptic heartbeat before I leave. Thanks, okay. man. Appreciate yeah. it. Cheers. Now, is that on the real bike? Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. That's well, it really was on the bike that was chained down because well, that was the only one though. that they were riding. No, there was two of them. There were two yeah. live wires there. No, I mean, that has to be a feature. Think about it. They want these guys to transition from a V-twin to an electric bike. And if you yeah, ride a zero, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no feeling. It's just smooth. It's just like you're gliding. But, you know. And there's no sound. There's no sound. <laughs> well, it's like saying I want to transition from a knife to a gun to kill somebody. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, like, and you're not going to put, you're not going to make your knife, <laughs> like, make gun sounds when you're stabbing somebody. <laughs> Well, apparently Boy, that's, they are. That, that's an odd analogy, but uh, <laughs> congratulations there, Steve. No, I'm just saying. I, mean, I couldn't think of anything. You know, it was, it... Here, have some bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just say... I thought that was a very good analogy. But it was interesting. So he got off of it, and then we got to see the Pan America and whatever the other thing is. Uh, whatever in it's glass, called. Yeah. and uh, you know, they, 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 there they were in glass. You could tell that I, we both, everybody there, thought that they probably weren't finished. Well, like, all of the like the components, like the exhaust and everything, like they're all generic pieces. They weren't yeah. like you could look at those and be like, "Those, that's not a Harley Davidson part. That's just a just a generic motorcycle part." But I, I mean, like the Pan America in person. Wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was going to be huge and gangly. I thought it was pretty bad. I mean, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I have no interest in buying one. But yeah. like from the pictures that you saw in the magazines online or whatever, it just looked like a. I thought like you know it was going to be like a bagger touring bike that they. Oh, had it does to, look huge in, in pictures. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't that big. It was a, no. about the size of a BMW or something. Adventure like that. bike size. Yeah, it wasn't too yeah. bad. So what chassis is it based on? Like a Sportster chassis or? I think it's complete. It looked like it looked like a. Um, like a Ducati kind of chassis. Like it looks oh, like a like trellis, a trellis frame, trellis frame yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a ground up bike. I don't know what motors it. Well, it's the same motor. They're, uh, I don't know enough about Harleys. Some I'm sure Cam can tell us. Yeah. Know. It's one of the B twin assume. things. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I try to, I mean, I tried, I walked through the Harley display, mm -hmm. but you know, they, it was so crowded and you couldn't even get near any of the bikes that I just decided it. But one whatever. of the, when we were by the Harley display, it was kind of interesting to see. So you have some of the guys in leather, you know, like the guys that show up to a motorcycle show, not on a motorcycle, but they got their the leather beanie on. Yeah, their, their Girl Scout vest on. Yeah, the whole thing. Like they're all they're all part of the same club. So, so they're rocking their vest. But a lot of those guys were looking at the electric thing going, like, would you ever ride that? I'd never ride that. Like they, you know, it's so like I don't know if they're going to hit their mark. Like they're, the guys that like old Harleys aren't really going to be digging these new things. 
Well, it does it's not fit the target market for Harley riders, I'll tell you that. But no. it's a perfect bike for them right. to go from one bar to the next bar to the next bar and go home. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not as though... But the, but once they get off that bike and go into the bar, they'll get laughed at. Because well, no, no, uh, nobody heard them coming. Right. You're right. You can't hear the haptic feedback motor in the seat, <laughs> the, the vibrator in the seat. But. <laughs> How are they going to communicate? One guy's going and he's going to go... <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally like the fact that the zero is silent. I do yep. too. I yep. mean, I like it. There's no vibration. It's silent. Well, you know Once what it you're is. Not, you're buying it because of that. You're not buying it to have. You're not. It's not. A, it's a motorcycle, but it's a totally different kind of. That's motorcycle. It. It's a That's, different experience. You nailed it. It's a completely different experience. It's like it feels familiar, but it's completely different. And 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 it's so funny to see people. Even my like this 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 year at Mid Ohio was the first time I spent a lot of time. Like when Phil was like, "Yeah, take it and go," and I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, and I, I went for a while. I spent about half an hour riding the thing around. It, it, it is such a different experience, and you can't not smile. Like it's because like every single time you hit the gas, you, there's no noise, and all of a sudden you're really fleeing through the air there's, and you're going. There's fast. no other motorcycle that I've ever ridden that I can be on dirt and just be totally confident to just give it a, a fistful of throttle and feel the back wheel start to spin and it's like this is awesome yeah uh and there, no other dirt bike that i've ridden has done that it, it's just the the zero and um i, I mean it's it's a different experience it, it's that but, but the thing is by right i mean i have 11 or twelve thousand miles on my zero yep. mm-hmm. i love that thing and i ride it all the time but riding the zero makes me love my vintage stuff or every other bike i have just as much. I mean, it's to me, it's not it's not what you ride. It's the fact that you're riding. But I love my C, I love my CB one seventy five. I love my Honda. I mean, you know, I love my Passport right. and my and my Super Cub and my Monkey because I, I ride those all the time. But I it makes that zero makes me love those even more. But you didn't even mention your PC eight hundred. There's no love given to the PC800, and I'm a little well, taken so aback. Many. I can't list them all because we take well, the whole can, podcast. Well, you can, and we'll be quiet. Okay, beca- okay we're back. <laughs> 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 no, but like, so let me ask you this. So since you that have all awesome. those miles, you have all the miles on the zero, right? Do you find yourself, so when you're on a vintage bike or something like that, you hear the motor, you hear this, you're listening to the brakes. When you're on that bike, do you find the entire, not just the riding experience, but like what you're seeing and hearing is a completely different experience? Like, do you start paying attention to other stuff since there's no sound coming out of the bike? Oh, he's always thinking about work. Oh, yeah. Pretty much, <laughs> Rivers of shit. <laughs> no, it's like I like the sound of, I mean, I like the sound of a motor at Redline too. I mean, I like to. I mean, I like the sound of a wedge, like a Chrysler wedge head winding out. There's nothing less like an old Chrysler wedge just winding out. There's nothing that sounds like that. I mean, I don't know. People probably don't know what I'm talking about, but I mean, you. May, I, mean, I would think that Nick probably knows, but it, there's a just. No, I a don't sound. know. That's what I'm nodding my head oh. to. It's I like no a wedge salad. <laughs> no, it's like everybody wants the Hemi, 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 right. but a 440 wedge. Was just about as good as a Hemi, and it sounds. They they all sound great, and uh, CB that CB one seventy five. When you get to like like Mecklefresh does it the best though. But you're going along, shifting through the gears. You hit red line in your top gear, and you're just like laying into it, and it just you get to that point, and it just hits like the right speed, and it just makes this noise that is like no other noise you've ever heard in your life, and it's just a sweet noise, but. With this bike, 
it's the same thing. You're riding along, and there's a certain. I mean, you hear it's. There's still noises. There's noises. It sounds like a a VFD, just. But it always sounds the same frequency, almost the same frequency. So you have all the miles on that bike. So like the biggest thing you hear when anybody talks about electric motorcycles is, "Oh, I fear the range," right? But it's no different than having a gas tank, except for the the time allotment of what it takes to fill it back up. So how long did it take you, and how many miles before you just were like you didn't even think about it anymore? You just looked down, you're like, I got 50 miles or whatever. Like that wasn't. I probably rode to work a month. And then I knew that I would never get stranded. No matter right. what I did, I would be able to get to work and plug it in. Yeah. And I always have a spare vehicle around. So I knew I could always get home in case there was an emergency with the kids or, or something. So as soon as I knew I could get to work and get home, I had no issue. I mean, because what am I going to do? So is that, is that to say the best thing to do if you own a... A zero when you're driving it to work is to have like six extra vehicles at the back end. <laughs> so oh. you can come come back just in case you got to plug it in for eight That's hours. That's my plan, but uh, <laughs> well, it might not be and, anybody and else's plan. And, and for twelve thousand miles, it seems to have worked. Yeah. No, I've never. Been, I mean, Phil really drives his stuff more to the limit than I do. I mean, I. But he's got six thousand bikes. Yeah, but I I baby my vehicles a lot more, except for the, the zero is probably the bike I beat on the most. Because I think from a from a reliability standpoint and from a I mean I've been working with electric motors for my entire career and I mean almost my whole plant runs with electric motors and variable frequency drives so I know what the abuse they can take and you know the, the how long they last and what it takes to blow them up. So riding an electric motorcycle to me, I know how durable it is. I know there's only a couple parts and the only thing I worry about is if I get a stone kick. Underneath my belt. What is that? <laughs> pickle Rick. Oh, Pickle Rick. I, if I get a stone kick underneath my, my belt and it snaps the belt, then I'd be screwed because I'm not carrying an, an extra belt with me. But Then you coast. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I any motorcycle would change. I mean, there's always no, something. No, it's always yeah. something. Yeah, but right. I mean, if that's the only thing I have to worry about, right. I don't have to worry about throwing a rod. I don't have to worry about running out of gas. I don't have to worry about getting water in the gas. I don't have to worry about like the breather blocking up. I don't have to worry about adjusting my valves. I don't have to worry about like the thousand other things I worry about with an internal combustion right. engine. Right. And, and you have traction control and ABS and all the other stuff. I don't know if I don't think mine has traction control, but I I do have ABS and the ABS is very conservative. I mean Sometimes I wish it wasn't there because it it you think it like it it starts doing the ABS thing way too early. Hmm. I mean, before you're you think you're in trouble. And what was your comment about the all electric uh, Hummer? Oh, uh, has a six thousand pound battery and a five mile range. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's that beautiful. There's another company that just came out with an electric pickup truck, and they're they're nailing every social media thing you go on right now. And it's very boxy, and it's very, and it's making fun of uh, Elon Musk's new one, saying this is a real truck, right? And it has something like a 250 mile range, and all this stuff, and something like, uh, I don't know, 600 foot pounds of torque, or I mean, whatever, it's some ridiculous thing. But the price is 135 thousand dollars for the base model. You and should get two. I, exactly. But they're trying to say like this is a great work truck, it's a great thing, and all this other stuff, and and I just don't see it happening. Oh, okay. So. 
One of the things that we're doing, and the reason that Phil's not here is because he's out visiting Rand with uh, Michael Fresh, and it's Michael Fresh's birthday. And so we're going to call him and try to get him and, and get his what, take on what it. What time is it right now? It is. Uh, hey, I want to make an additional comment about the motorcycle show just to correct some information that I had gotten. So I was walking around, and I've said on the, on the podcast a couple of times I'd love to go to Vietnam and travel. And there was a, a lady there that had a booth for traveling in Thailand. And uh, so I was pretty excited, and I, I picked up one of her brochures, and I said, well, how much is it? And she says, a nine-day trip. Oh, yeah. Including bike rental, room, and all your, all your meals is 1000 bucks." And I said, no, what? it can't be. Yeah. It cannot be 1000 bucks." And she said, yes, it's $1,000. Now, I will say this. She was Taiwanese, and she's only over here for the motorcycle show. So I grabbed one of her brochures. Next day, I got up and I looked it up. Oh no, it's not a thousand bucks. It's <clears throat> it's four thousand bucks for for the nine days, thirty nine something or other. So it's four thousand bucks, and that's a, a correction. So I actually sent the guy who runs it. He's an Americano, and I sent him a little email. I said, you know what? Just so you know, in Cleveland, this young lady, her name is Candy. She's doing the best she can, but she's quoting incorrect prices <laughs> by a factor of four. So uh, just so you know, anyhow. Did so, he write back? Like, like no, uh, no, no. Well, he, he said I told her to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but like, why would she say? I mean, like, what was the Be, thousand? Just I, completely I, wrong. I think what she was trying to say is it's a thousand dollars off. Oh. I think it's normally like forty seven hundred, and now it's thirty nine hundred or something. Okay. Like that. So right. I think that's where she got confused. So I was walking around telling a lot of people, hey, you know, they're yeah. doing this thing in. Uh, in Thailand for a thousand bucks, and at a thousand, even really, to be honest with you, I think at at thirty nine ninety five, pretty good deal for nine days. Yeah, yeah, for nine days with the, um, either a BMW or I forget what the other one was, but they're they're quality bikes. At least on the brochure, they look like quality bikes. There's a lot of days and a lot of you know a lot of uh, pluses to the whole thing. That include um, insurance and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. When you get down there, you get a KTM three ninety. Well, but but, but the other thing is they're gonna they're gonna fly in on one of those Turkish airlines that will uh, absolutely break into three pieces upon landing. So uh, and eighty two percent of the people survive. So well, how much is a plane like ticket? How much is a plane ticket to Taiwan or wherever? I, I thought it was sixteen hundred bucks or something like that. I looked. So it you're up. talking about a seven round round trip though. Round That's trip. round trip. Well, you're yeah. still a seven thousand dollar trip at that point. Yeah, but if you. Had Take an outside seat on the wing or something like that. You might save a couple of bucks. I don't know. Sure. Or you take one of the, the coronavirus planes. Yeah. <laughs> Wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, those are empty right now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're looking for people. They're looking for people. Fill the seats. <laughs> so as we wait for Hoff to come back, what is this thing? That's an RC car. Okay. It's not motorcycle related at all. All right. We'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sounds good. What all right, Hoff. Wait for me to come back? Because you got the phone. We got to call Phil. Oh. We're gonna find Is out. He out of his meeting. He said it's a good time to call. So, okay, bust that sucker out. Geez, you're using his piece of shit phone. Well, his was loud. Well, oh, fuck you. You could dial. Nineteen ninety. You have like the bag phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me see here. Uh, he can't even see. Let's see, Phil. Uh, <laughs> Phil <laughs> Gage. What's his last name? What's his name? going to take 20 minutes for Hoffert to figure this shit out. Hey, yeah. I didn't plan on... Look, okay, here we go. Where are we putting this thing? Hold it up to the... Uh, up to the mic. Put it on speaker, yeah. 
<laughs> we couldn't figure out any Pops better way. Oh, to yeah, do yeah, it. speaker. That's yeah. right. So, who's calling who? So, yeah, exactly. Who's the calling? Yeah, I, guess, uh, I guess Cleveland Moto is calling us right now. Cleveland and Moto! Cleveland Moto, uh, we're already recording our RN. Oh. Are you guys recording on your end? Oh, yeah. Yes, we are. Fantastic. Let's get here. Let me get some audio up for you guys. Make sure you sound all awesome. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so, fantastic. So, who, who is in attendance tonight? Well, we got uh, Chris Smith. Darren Crump. Excellent. Dan's here. The non-drunk Steve Hoffert. <laughs> uh, I thought we were doing the introductions you, again. <laughs> I love you, too. <laughs> Nick DeVito. Nick is here. And and me. Fantastic. Is it his left? Uh, sleepy. And, and that, All right. Very that, cool. That rounds us out. Excellent. So, uh, how long have you guys been uh, recording? Two hours. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, fantastic. You got an early start then, I see. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's, yeah. what's going on out uh, in uh, I gotta say, I wish I just wish that more of you guys could be here because it is a fantastic motorcycle show. And a really good time you be on that. We'll yeah. send us tickets, and we'll be out tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. The, uh, a couple of the interesting highlights about the show so far is we were able to accidentally meet the entire technical crew of Zero Electric Motorcycle. Oh, oh. kidding. So all the people that are responsible for actually programming the Bosch traction control system that's on this SRF motorcycle and the guys that are research and development nerds for zero, we ran into all of them down by the dirt track. Uh, so they're going to have zero electric motorcycles. Like four different bikes. Yeah, they said five total of just zeros plus an Alta. Um, and they're going to be racing those on the dirt tomorrow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And what was it's the... really neat. What was the Harley thing that you guys were checking out? So that, that was last night, and Harley Davidson was introducing um, a private and independent filmmaker who had man, uh, built a film called Fast and Left. And it's all about flat track racing, uh, featuring some of these older guys who've been flat track racing since the 60s. And they've got, uh, one guy was named, what was it? Bultaco Bob. Bultaco Bob. And uh, yeah, we were just, I mean, brilliant, super cool. Everything from old two-strokes, uh, 250cc two-strokes, up till modern... Uh, you know, all the new Indian FTRs. Yeah. And, and then little kids. And yeah. then, you know, obviously various different classes. Uh, I think they had even the brand of the Indian yeah. 1200s or whatever. But which looks like a badass bike. Yeah. The series will start coming up, you know, gritting off the line like, wow. It was fun because a lot of it was grassroots motorsports. And a lot of it was people, little children, all the way up to 70-some-year-old men riding around, going, you know, to these, these uh, quarter-mile ovals that are out in the middle of the, the country and these cats are showing up and hot booting it, like making a, a, a steel boot. And the one guy, George's hot boots, he's been making flat track boots for like 50 years. Hot shoes. Hot shoes. Hot he shoes. he wow. shows up with a school bus and a grinder and a welder and he'll custom build you a, a metal boot for your left foot. Wow. So super cool. Yeah. And we had talked a lot about uh, it being a gentleman's sport liking it to yacht racing where everybody behaves, plays by the rules. 
fun, fair game. Yeah. <laughs> and like if you if you break down, somebody else will loan you parts to get your bike back up because they'd rather have you racing than beat you. Which I think though is a fairly common theme in a lot of racing. It I is, mean, uh, you know, from mud bogging to whatever you do. I mean, I, we might be bitter rivals, but if I see you need something, I want to make sure you're in the game because I want you to be there so I can beat your ass. Right. If you're not there, I can't beat your ass. Not delicious, but I can't beat you in person. Okay. From so, one yeah. who race, from a person who does race or has raced yachts, those guys are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> so it sounds like the flat trackers are a way better bunch of group of guys than those guys. Racing should be. I'm sure it's much different. Oh, yeah, racing is they raise your little flags and just cry. So. <laughs> we Well, we got a little Woodford Reserve. Whoa! I don't like to hear that. That doesn't sound good at all. No, there's drinking. No, we got on. some Woodford Reserve, and oh, we got I some uh, some Fatheads of so beer. This will be a good time, Phil. This will be a good time, Phil, for you to tell them what's off limits in the you know. Yeah, like, right. Don't go, <laughs> don't go the case of Stranahan. Right. Yeah. I, I'm drinking a near beer. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, for, for the record. <laughs> Hufford is not drinking tonight, and I think we need to have, like, a vote with our right. listeners and see if they ever want to have Hufford not right. drinking. Right. We, got, we got professor. We should do a poll to see if they want me to drink or not to drink, well, yes. and I'll do whatever they yeah, say. Yeah, sober at Hufford is not that much fun. Well, we got... Well, we've had a lot of... I mean, we've had a whole lot of people that have been chirping in both on our Patreon forum and on our... Uh, clevelandmoto at gmail.com and a lot of people have been chiming in saying that they absolutely love um Brody Stewart guy oh my god (laughs) as they should right now (laughs) so so the million dollar question for today is uh has there been a rand sighting no, there, uh, there has not been a RAND sighting. We've had no communication from RAND. Ooh. However, we believe that tomorrow, mil- tomorrow will be RAND o'clock. 
Uh, <laughs> we because he does live an hour away from the event, uh, tomorrow will be go time for Rand. Do you guys have enough money to bail him out if you need to? No, we don't. And because we are guests in his fair city, he will have to rot. Bail us out. The bailing out always is the, the job of the person who lives there. The traveler always gets bailed out for free. And I believe the rules of the road mandate that... Um, no reciprocity, no reciprocity is ever expected. We can get away with it. Totally, no out-of-pocket expenses. <laughs> All right. So what? So, what is what is on your agenda for tonight? After you guys went to Chicken and Guns, and then uh, the strip club. What's that? What's next? Well, you know, I think that we're doing a bad job by selling the Acropolis short as a strip club. Uh, I think that it's one of the better uh, Portland. Eateries. I think that it might be the official best steakhouse in Portland. Uh-huh. Oh, I thought they served the seafood. <laughs> with the addition of three naked women, literally you have to move your plate of steak out of the way so they can rub their naked body on you. Oh. So they can put one leg over each shoulder. Yeah, that's true. And uh, gyrate their hips yeah. up and down under your nose. So yeah. you guys had tacos and not steak. It was, you know, we did decide to have. You know, if it wasn't against the law to touch them. I would have had a taco. It was, it was, very, it was a very once in a lifetime experience for me, and that's saying a lot. Do they yeah, serve that with a uh, Bernays sauce? There's always they open at seven. We can get breakfast. Yeah, they open at seven a.m. The ten egg omelet is waiting for us. Oh, yeah, a drink a ten egg, egg omelet. omelet. Jeez, holy shit! Yeah, it's a crazy. I think the whole thing is just insane. I've never been to anywhere like this in my life. At one point, dollar bills were being folded into paper airplanes yep. and thrown. And I, <laughs> I may have accidentally taken out... All, all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. I, I, I threw a paper airplane into a stripper's eyeball. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> it looked like she was wearing glasses. It was only later that we learned... They had no lenses. Yeah, her, her glasses were just to make her look like dorky. They didn't have any actual lenses in them. So when I shot it into her eyeball, you know, Renee and I play this game with straws. Like, you eat dinner, and you shoot the straw at each other. And if you ask her, she'll tell you that one time I shot one, like, right into her eye, and it killed her, and she only survived by the... She failed to engage safety squints. Yeah. yeah. She did not engage the safety squints at all. And consequently... Yeah, and consequently... But, yeah, so I did, I did hit a stripper in the eyeball with a paper airplane made out of a dollar bill. Well, that's okay, because that's a worker's comp claim. You don't even want to know what we did with the uh, paper football. (laughs) (laughs) The paper football, all I can say is field goal. (laughs) So, so Mac, is is, is your birthday going well then? Is this probably the best uh, situation you could have for your week of a birthday? This is a very optimal situation. We didn't even tell the ladies at the strip club that it was his birthday. We probably should have. We should have played that to a more maximum effect. We'll do that tomorrow. We'll do that tomorrow. At breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our accommodations are nice. We had a very easy morning. Woke up, did a swim in the pool. Did the hot tub, soaked. It was very nice. It's a very good example of motorcycle event living. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do biker shit. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's really cool. I, I do recommend it. Anybody wants to see a, a really good motorcycle show? This is an example of a really, really good motorcycle show. Is there is there any and, uh, is there anybody from the East Coast at that show, or is it mostly West no. Coast? 
I've seen nobody from the East Coast. Everybody we've talked to has been West Coast. Huh. And, you know, uh, the guys from Fox Motorcycle Shocks, because, you know, Fox Motorcycle Shocks, when I was a kid, they were the coolest thing you could have on your bike, on your dirt bike, on your dirt bike. Right. And then they just stopped doing that. And then they started doing Fox Shocks for off-road uh, cars, for uh, trucks and, and Volkswagen and stuff like that. And mountain bikes. And so now they're, they're trying to get back into the motorcycle industry. So they've got a nice display here of the original Mako, um, you know, of Bill, like the guy who was the inventor of Fox Racing Shock. His original Mako is here on display. Um, beautiful motorcycles here on display. Just some of the stuff is super creative. And it, it's, it's hard to hate it. And it's not just all one flavor. It is definitely not a majority of Harley Davidson. There's CX500 oh, yeah. that are the nicest. I'm, I saw a CC550 today that was I've Akin to like the fuel show, I do. Where it's all custom bike, yeah. custom bike. There are really, I mean, aside from India, yeah, uh, Harley. There are no manufacturers no. here represented. Right. Uh, well, zero, but yeah. but even zero just had a couple bikes. That Zero's only got two bikes just sitting in a corner. Nobody's even built a booth around it. And the real deal is that everybody's here to get their bikes on the dirt. So everybody wants to put their bikes on the dirt track and ride on the dirt track. I did try to kill myself on an electric bicycle, which I thankfully I failed. <laughs> but it was pretty fun. John is still here. I did a little get they had a little thing set up with a tippy, the, the teeter totter and the empty do. What's I up? teetered the totter, I whooped the do. And they had a quarter pipe set up too, and I don't blame him for not trying the quarter pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, that, I I nibbled on it a little bit, but I didn't go go big or go home. What's up what's the ratio of brown leather to other things on the bikes? Uh, that's a good that's a good question. Excellent question. Uh what I would say is there is a lot of brown leather leather on the motorcycles. There's a lot of brown leather diamond-stitched uh, seats, mm-hmm. quite a few. Um, there's a remarkable amount of gorgeous chrome layered onto just a shittily hammered-together gas tank. So, like, somebody will have a gas tank that's, like, really wavy gravy and looks like crap, and you could tell they just got it back from the chrome platers after just, you know, dipping it in chrome. I want this bag crawl. Right. But what I didn't understand is that you can't use Bondo before you chrome it. Exactly. But there's also a lot of patina seems to be a big thing this year. So there's a lot of fucking bikes that are original 1972, uh, that Yamaha TT500 gas tank we saw. Yeah. It was a complete, just an alloy tank with a couple orange stripes on it that, that probably looked like shit in 78. And it still looks like shit today, but they put it on a $20,000 bill. Hmm. Yeah, they 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 streetified it, put a nice you know uh, swing arm on it, swing arm, front suspension, everything off of something else. Pretty cool bike. Yeah. Oh, I mean, every one of the bikes out on that floor. Uh, aside from you, there was there was a couple that I didn't really care. Yeah, for most of the stuff out there is absolutely just like you could sit and stare at a single motorcycle for an hour and a half and just pick up small details. If they it. were at the Guggenheim, you, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So so it's really cool. Good show. Last Lots of fun. And last, so, uh, so they, I was interested in the zero. Custom bikes. So they have, uh, I don't know, was there probably four or five? They had, yeah, five or six, yeah, five or six custom zeros. They had the Pikes Peak race bikes. So the bike that actually did Pikes Peak was there. They also have several FXs with various different uh, dirt tracker bodywork kits on them. Yeah, one of them is a carbon fiber. Yeah, full carbon fiber, yeah. So really freaking cool stuff that you don't see around because they're all custom. And the West Coast is where so many of these customs get built. And this is, you know, coming to the one show is a big thing for these guys. So, Phil, so last year and everything, you know, a lot of guys were doing Scrambler Customs and everything. Is that still the direction people are going, or what? Yeah. Is there a new direction yeah. that's it's taking? Still, 
You're absolutely right. Um, that carries over. So we saw a, an atrocious Harley Davidson today that was probably uh, a super glide that had uh, a 10 over front end on it, jacked up into the moon, but then was a scrambler. It looks like you had to have a little small step ladder. Yeah, to get up on the thing. <laughs> so it's, it's that might have actually been something, period, though. You know, no, no, no. There were no scratches on it. Yeah, there were no scratches on it. It was a brand new build. But there does seem to be this, like, there was this ridiculous thing of the, the high boy chopper thing that Harley Davidson had kind of started and leaned into with the 72, where the gas tank, the Sportster gas tank, the peanut gas tank was elevated like two or three inches, and the bike was kind of sitting a little higher than it should be. Um, that has gotten a little out of control now. So the bikes are getting to the point where, like, when we were kids and we used to watch Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch, and it was like, <laughs> this, this bike had, the foot pegs on the bike were like six feet in the fucking air. And so that's kind of happening now. So it's not as crazy as the Japanese Bosozuku, but it's super weird to, like, get onto a motorcycle and have your feet be three feet off the ground and mm. then have a set of not necessarily ape hangers, but, like, T-bars that are 16 inches tall. So it makes for just a dopey-looking riding position, and I'm sure there's a name for it. Maybe tomorrow we'll figure it out because we are in the self-anointed coolest motorcycle show in America. Okay. Right. So this is the cool place. I so, mean, if you want to buy artisanal mustache wax, this is where you buy it. Yeah, I was going to oh, say, Portland's pretty good for beard. There's a yeah. Yeah, pick, fit right in here. Pick me up a fucking set of uh, beard oil or something then while you guys are there. Dude, there is, it is just obscene... We found a picture of you on a beer can today. <laughs> it was perfect. It was cinch, a hundred percent. And what's funny about that is, somebody says, you know, you're, you know, you've made it big when you end up on a milk cart. <laughs> you ended up on a beer can. Yeah. Very perfect. Yeah. Thank Completely you. appropriate. Yeah. Steve, cinch. Uh, I, uh, I one of the things they had up before was like a Harley Davidson survey car, yeah. but it was set up to haul another bike, so they had this. All it was was a, a front wheel chop yeah. mounted to the back of it. I'm seeing something like this in your future on the back of your brand new big red oh, from yeah. Mid Ohio. Yes, I agree. I wouldn't get any easier. Super cool. I mean, it did, you, you said you already have a, a hitch point that'll handle 200 or 800 pounds. Yep, yep. Bring it if home. You could, if you could go ahead and throw that on the back of it, it would be the perfect Mid Ohio bike hauler. Take yeah, a picture. There's a whole lot of creativity going on out here, and couldn't uh, couldn't be happier with what we're seeing, you know, at the event. Oh, sorry, I just completely cropped us at Necklefresh. Oh, we're in a tiny room <laughs> with a big part. <laughs> so, that's you, my job, dude. <laughs> so, what what is your schedule for the rest of the weekend? Uh, we're going to do more of this tomorrow. Uh, there's some local uh, Portland haunts. There's some stuff we want to hit, uh, some things on the checklist like the alibi and uh, a few other things that we absolutely must do while we're in Portland. Tomorrow, we know that the guys from the Motorcycles and Misfits are going to be arriving, so we're going to hook up with them. Uh, we'll be doing some more recording with those guys and talking to a few of the uh, vendors and uh, local talent out in the uh, out on the floor. Awesome. Does uh, Have you met anybody that knows who you guys are? 
Yes, we have. And uh, that was rather surprising considering that this is like, today's the half day. Today's the late day, so the show doesn't really open until after 5 p.m. And uh, people were pouring in as we found our way into this room. Right. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's filling up real fast, so that's great. We are meeting people who are aware of kind of, of the podcast. We're meeting people that are aware of the team. Um, that's super great. And again, seeing all the guys from Zero, that was a huge plus. So, we love those guys. Awesome. All yeah, righty. Couldn't, couldn't say enough about it. So, what was your topic for this evening's podcast? We did a bit of a review of the IMS show so that we could uh, get that oh, done. And uh, we can go and, and show some of the stuff that we filmed. And... Uh, yeah, we talked about some of that and uh, most of the people's disappointment in most of the new bikes and how awesome the Moto Compo stood out among the whole show. Is there anything you guys uh, want to uh, say about the IMS show? Yeah. There is a Moto Compo here, and it's in a row of uh, a, a vintage Italjet Kit Kat, a modern Italjet Kit Kat, modern being like 80, and then a couple of other folding bikes. But I think there's a row of, I think, six different folding motor scooters here. And the moto, there's a moto compo among them, so that's part of the one show that's kind of cool. I thought those were set up over race bikes. Yeah, those are they're going out on the track. I don't know. I, it was hard to tell. Yeah, it looked like. Oh, that moto compo is not going on the track, man. But there's there was a whole run. There's a, a whole lot of weird equipment that's going to end up on the dirt. Is there is there a Mama Tried thing? Are they doing like boonie bike racing or anything like that? So they are. Yeah, they're they're absolutely, and they've got wow. classes set up for that. And um, they have, because Portland is just mad for this, they've had this stuff completely booked now for for months in advance. Oh. And it's, uh, Roland Sands' team came in, and the team from Roland Sands came in and laid out the dirt, set up the track. So it's going to be tight. It's much smaller than an eight. So it's going to be a, it's going to be the same track like you were on, except this is proper dirt. Not, so. not Coca-Cola. Yeah, it's St. Dr. Pepper. This is uh, looks like about a 14-inch uh, deep dirt. Uh, it, it's going to be rowdy. They're trying to get it packed out. I don't know why there's not a steamroller out there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hey, so Phil. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Hey, Phil, how many uh, how many Harley-Davidson live wires are going to be out there with the Zeros tomorrow? Oh, I don't think there will be a single one. I have not seen a live wire <laughs> since we've entered the property. Uh, that is... It is conspicuous in its absence. Even last mm-hmm. night at the Harley Davidson event, uh, there was no mention. But last night really was a flat track. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call that a Harley Davidson. They were the there were the our icons of vintage Harley Davidson racing. Right, they're both their road bikes and their their flat track right. bikes were there, and uh, so yeah. But no, yeah. no, nothing new, and definitely not a live war. Right, definitely not a live war. Yeah, Zero does have a very strong presence here. Uh, I've seen nothing in the way of Harley Davidson Electric. So, all right. Yeah, so it's it's been, but it's, it's so far there's more show than you can chew on in one day. And how are how are the, the tiki drinks out there? Rising out here is uh, you know it's probably 55, 60 degrees, mm-hmm. and there's a little light mist of rain, which I'm sure is entirely normal for here. But we only so far I've counted two motorcycles. Yeah. Sidecar rig and one motorcycle. And there was one Indian at the strip club, so there was like one oh. Indian bagger at the strip club. And, and you know, like, this was the day where in Cleveland there would be bikes like people would be digging their bikes up for the chance to go for a ride. But it's pretty much there's no bikes here, yeah, and no rust. Yeah. Apparently, they don't use salt. Yeah, strangest thing. We've been looking at 
we've been trying to find evidence of rust on vehicles. We can't find rust on anything out here. But there's also not a lot of old vehicles, which is kind of weird. You think, well, if you don't use rust, yeah. things aren't rusting yeah, around. But yeah. yeah, it's a it's a different thing for us. I mean, it, this this whole biosphere, this whole uh, area, is totally different than the Cleveland experience. If you got out to Corvallis, Corvallis, Oregon is where all the old vehicles are. That's where the old hippies went and never left. Yeah, and that's and, and that's definitely true. There's Portland is a Portland is a thing. So you know we're not going to get onto uh, a civics lesson regarding Portland, but the it is a, it is a totally kind of different experience in Cleveland, and uh, so far it's been excellent. I mean, uh, our hotel room is in what I would kindly describe, or describe as a light industrial area. Yeah. But it's got a 24-hour pool and hot tub, and the breakfast is great. And, you know, it's one of those places that for under 100 bucks you get everything you need. The homeless camps are pretty impressive. Yeah, the homeless camps yeah. under the bridges are quite impressive. It looks like it looks like people decided, hey, let's go camping in the city, and then stayed. Yeah. <laughs> and they've just, they've just systematically hardened and hardened and hardened and over-hardened their camp. Like multi, multi-test, or multi-floor. <laughs> so, but the... Go ahead. I was going to say the important thing here is, so with the RAND situation, are you going to record something and we're going to have an addendum, or is this going to be an, an entire RAND and you guys podcast that we're going to follow up with after this? Oh, this may have to be a, a Patreon bonus episode. Ah, yeah, very nice. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're recording with the R2 now, right? so okay. uh, who knows how this works out. Right. I figured it's better to run the R2 than not run the R2. Of course. The, uh, when we get our hands on Rand, once we once we latch into him, and once we latch into the Misfits, and then I'm sure that you know how it is when we get our crew together, there will end up being one of these you know gang up podcasts at some point. So just record everything, bring it home, and we'll edit it into something awesome. That's what I figured. Yeah, I just figured we're just going to record every damn thing. Yep. So yeah, super cool, man. All right. Well, we're glad you're having fun, Johnny Mac. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, sir. Happy birthday, big Thank fella. You. May you puke into the pool and wake up in the hot tub. <laughs> Hell, yes. And on that note, guys, remember to ride fast and take chances. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-